Welcome to the SCG Church Podcast. We'd love to have you join us for our weekend services in person in our West Auditorium. You can also tune into our service live online at scgchurch.org or live on our Facebook and YouTube pages. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Nick. My mom taught me that same hymn that you sang toward the end there. And it's interesting, the passage we're going to look at today, some people think was taught by a mother to her son. And uh, so we're going to carry through that theme a little bit. But first, I want to honor all the moms here today. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms. And uh, love you. One day a year is not enough to say thank you, but... uh, it's a start. So, hey, I want to do something real quick. We used to do this a lot when we were a much uh, smaller church. I just thought it'd be fun to do it again. I just want to honor a couple of moms in particular. I want to uh, honor the mom who's had the most kids. You deserve it. You may be taking a nap, wake her up. If, uh... So I want to know, anybody have more than six kids? Six. Anybody six or more? You got to make big noise if there is. Where, where? I see people pointing somewhere. Where are you pointing? Back there. All right. There's a six. Another one? Any more? Six or more? Oh, people are pointing everywhere. Okay, ushers, you got to help me out. You got to help me out here. All right. So you're pointing up here. Who's over here? Right there. How many? Eight. Eight. Put your hand on you. You'll be tired. Relax. All right. Anybody else? We got anybody else? I got eight. Eight, any other eights in the room? Going once, going twice. All right, eight. Evan, can you give that lady chocolate, which is so much less than she deserves? Congratulations. Wow. That's amazing, eight. So what ages, what, how, how, what's the age uh, range? Like how far from first to last? 19 to 49. You have been busy for a long time. A really long time. My goodness. That's, that's exhausting. All right. All right. So here's the other one I want to do. Now, everybody on my staff told me I couldn't do this because it was an insult, but I have a theory. I want to do the oldest. I want to recognize the oldest mom in the room. And all the young ones, you can't ask a woman her age. Here's my theory. Over 80, they start bragging about it. I'm 93 and I got both my hips. What do you got? So, um, so anyway, so I want to go at the oldest. So we have any moms over 90? 96. Just, just to be fair, anybody beat 96? Anybody? How old are you? No? Not quite there yet. 91. That's amazing. Wow. I think 96 takes it. Yeah. So, Evan, right here. This, this lady is here every single week. Every week, right there in that spot, 96. So, congratulations. And you don't have to share those with your daughter. I saw her reaching for them, but you don't have to. That's so cute. Well, congratulations. That's so great. So, we're in this series. Uh, by the way, the oldest we ever had was 102. 
A few years ago, I did 102. Uh, so um, we're in this series, and it's, uh, it's called Uncommon Sense. It's taken from Proverbs, in which we're just looking at, Proverbs is a book in the Bible in which it just gives us wisdom. It's not necessarily promises from God. It's just like, if you live God's way, life works out better, uh, kind of to paraphrase it. And so in Proverbs, um, we've been looking at all the, the different ways that wisdom is a better way to live. And So today I want to look at Proverbs 31. And uh, so it's an interesting thing about Proverbs 31. We're not exactly sure who wrote it. It could have been Solomon's mother. It could have been King Lemuel's mother, who we don't know who it is. Or verse 10, maybe a completely different section from verse 9. We're not quite sure who wrote it. Um, But we're pretty sure that it shows the personification of wisdom. And so in Proverbs, in some places, temptation is portrayed as a woman. And, and, and so at the end, it comes around and says, but if we, if we look at wisdom, personification of wisdom in this picture of this woman, and it's, it's, it's not an actual woman, it is a, a kind of, uh, a kind of uh, idealized version of a woman, and it is not a prescription for what a woman should be, it is acknowledgement of what a woman can be. If uh, in, and, and might be if she were to choose a life of wisdom. Now we live in a world that that gives you. Everybody will tell you how you should live your life. Everybody will tell you what's important. Everybody, you know, everybody's got an opinion on everything, and and most of them are in their mom's basement and shouldn't be listened to. But the reality is, is we have to choose what we're going to base our life on. Are we going to choose on conventional wisdom, which is usually not wisdom at all? the way things are, the way the world around tells me I should live, how I should raise my family, how I should be a mom, dad, whatever it is, or biblical wisdom. Biblical wisdom pays off greatly, and that's kind of the point of this passage. And so in this passage, uh, we want to honor women by examining uh, this, this idealized woman. Uh, and the reality is, it is not you have to live up to this. If you think of women in the ancient world, they weren't necessarily treated as equals. That would be a slight understatement. Um, they were uh, slightly more than um, the, the servants or slaves or whatever it might be. And so the first thing that hits me when I read the second half of Proverbs 31, starting in verse 10, the thing that hits me is, wow, what would an ancient woman, and by the way, in Jewish homes, the, the, the husband and the children sing this to the, the, uh, the mom, uh, what would this do to how I think of who I am and who I can be? It would, it would lift it up. And so in a modern world, we're always going to beat us down. They're going to make us live some old paradigm. No, no. There's nothing in this that does that. It lifts women up. It elevates the place of women, as did Jesus, as does the New Testament. Yes, there's a lot of talk about her husband and her kids. If you're getting married, your husband and kids ought to be fairly important to you. Right? So that kind of makes sense. It's also true for the husband. That wife and kids ought to be pretty important if you're going to do that, Right? One of the things is this may be, it may be, and I can't find much historical support for this, although through a few commentaries suggest it's an ode. It's like a poem. It is a poem, maybe from a husband, kind of hyperbolic poem describing this incredible woman he's got. I kind of like that one. I can't really support it historically too much. The, the traditional kind of more likely one is that it was Solomon's mom telling him what to look for in a wife, which didn't pay off well with Solomon's life, if you know anything about his love story. He was, had a thousand wives, so didn't work out so much. So 
I don't know who wrote it, but I do know that it is in honor of women. And say, I want to do that just for just a few moments. Let me begin with the end of it. And it's uh, uh, Proverbs 31, 30, the second part of verse 30. And it says this, a woman who fears the Lord. There's the beginning right there. That is the central passage. A woman who fears, fear is not like being afraid. It's like reverence. It's like putting God in his pop, proper place in your life, which is center. Most important, most, the, the, everything else revolves around that. To fear the Lord, a woman, a man, whoever. And much of this passage is also applicable to men. Uh, almost all of it. But it, so here's the deal. A woman who fears, so that's the first thing. That's, that's a, a Proverbs 31 woman fears the Lord, has a relationship with God, believes in Jesus as, as we've come through the New Testament. So uh, a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised, honor her for all that her hands have done. So honor her. That's what we're here to do today is to honor you and to let her works bring her praise at the city gate. So in celebration of women, let me just go through this. I'm going to read this passage, make a few comments along the way, and then get you on to your Mother's Day lunch, which I know is, I'm ready for it. Are you guys excited about lunch? You okay? Yeah, good, good. All right. All right, here we go. Uh, verse 10, a wife of noble character who can find. So right off the bat, we find a couple of things. She is worth far more than rubies. So here's the deal. A wife of noble character. Now, we, we, words are hard to get our grasp. Another word for noble might be a person of valor. So it is not a nice, sweet little, uh, you know, just uh, cutesy little. It is not. Valor is often used, the same word, often used in the Old Testament, of a warrior, of a soldier. It's about brave. It's about moral integrity and courage. It is a powerful word. It is not a wimpy word here. That noble characters, moral courage is a part of what's being said. And it not only is that begin to describe her, but it describes that if there is a, a Proverbs 31 woman, and, and by the way, a Proverbs 31 woman doesn't have to have all of these attributes, just some of these attributes, any of these attributes, on our way to growing some of these attributes, being like this, these are all women we need to be honoring. It's the fear of the Lord that is an important part. It's putting God first in your life. That's the most important part. A wife of noble character who can find she's worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. Now that's a really interesting. Her husband has full confidence in her. And, and so I uh, used to um, try to do marriage counseling occasionally. Okay, three times I tried. And, um, and, and each succeedingly worse. Uh, and, so, and so I quit and everybody was grateful that I did. And, um, but I remember uh, couples coming in and sitting on the long couch in my office. And it's always funny because I, I used to also do a little premarital stuff because if I was going to do somebody's wedding, I'd meet with them. And, and premarried couples, they sit on top of each other. I mean, it's like, give it a little room here, people. And, uh, and, 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 uh, but married couples are coming and they're having conflict are hilarious because they sit not only at the ends of the couch, but as far to the end, like hugging, hugging the end of the couch like this. And, and they not only are like, they're, and they're like this and they just can't wait to tell me about him. I, and, and so, and so I, in, in, in my ineptitude, I would try to ascertain what, what is the issue here? And it would come in all kinds of forms. It would be competition. It would be control. It could be, here's what it always boiled down to. One or both, almost always both on some level. We're trying to draw the love out of the other to meet their needs. 
And marriage is not about trying to draw love out. It's about putting love in. It's not about competing. It's not about controlling. It's not about taking. It's all about giving. Imagine this husband, how incredibly blessed he is that he has got a wife who's so strong in her relation with God, such strong character. He doesn't take he doesn't need to take. He doesn't compete. He's not fearful that if he's, if he's not home, something bad. He is confident. He has trust. Right off the bat, it talks about this husband has full confidence. Man, if this is a mom telling her son how to pick a wife, you'll find out later exactly this is true. Character is the most beautiful thing she can have. Not bad. She's good looking, but if she's got no character, Proverbs warn you. Doesn't matter how beautiful she is, if there's no character, it's an awful deal. If a mom is telling her son, "That's who wrote this," that's good advice. Men, if you've got a wife with character, she is more valuable than rubies. You get to live your life, and you get to partner. So what's interesting about that that counseling thing is is you can't do marriage like this. Because marriage is like this, right? Marriage causes you to have to open up, to be vulnerable, to embrace. You can't, you can't do marriages if, you, if, if you're like a boxer coming out of the clinches all the time like this. It's like this. Here's the beautiful, you may not, I'm not going to finish this passage, but th- this will be worth it for you. Just this part, I'm not even going to charge you. Um, if, a woman has put God as first place in their life, a relationship with Christ. And she is trying to live that out in her character with courage, with moral courage. Then as a man, I can do this. I can open myself up. I can be vulnerable. I can embrace because ultimately I'm trusting God who's at work in her. Will she break my heart? She might but God will bring healing. The way to intimacy is to have confidence. If you have a woman who is a godly woman, open yourself up. Be there. Be available. Don't don't just keep hidden and distance. You never know intimacy any other way. There's some wonderful things in Scripture I have time to go into about how we learn about God through our marriages and how through learning about God we learn about our marriages. And this is one of those things. He has full confidence and lacks nothing of value. And here is kind of the definition of love, if you ask me. She brings him good. See, the intention of love is when you get past that point where I'm trying to take something out of you for me and I realize that love is about bringing you good for my whole life. Love is about bringing you good. As a parent, that's what moms do. They want to bring good to their kids, even when they're 35 and still living at home. (laughs) They want to bring less good, but they still want to bring some good. Definition of love is she brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. And then in verses 13 to 15, just talks about her just working hard. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She's like the merchant ship bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it's still night. She provides food for family and portions for her female servants. If you read all of this section all at once, it's just exhausting. I I don't think my wife is in here. I think she's in a children's building. So I'm going to tell you one of the cards I got her. Is honey, I'm going to trade places with you for a day. But do you know how much work you do in a day? I just don't think I could do it. 
The reality is, in the description, this idealized woman lives in a, a significant family, significant wealth. And the point of this section, I believe, may have to do with the fact that she's just willing to roll up her sleeves and get to work to get done what needs to be done. Is that a great description of moms? When little four-year-old Johnny has decided to experiment with things in the bathroom, mom walks in, okay, you take him, I'll take this, right? Just roll up his sleeves, get it done. And then it goes on in verse 16 through 18, and talks about she's a good steward and, and that she has done well with money. And there is no sense in this passage where she has to stay home barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen. She is a businesswoman. She is an entrepreneur. She contributes in every way she is gifted to contribute. She is not held back by anything. This is why I believe this so elevates women, especially in that day, and certainly does not diminish them in this day. Um, she sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. And then, and, and then it, it goes on. And in the next section, uh, in verse uh, 19 through 21, we find that it says, in her hand she holds a distaff, grasp the, this is about, uh, it's about making threat. Uh, spend it with her fingers, she opens her arms. Support. Now here's the interesting thing. She is compassionate. If God is at work in a person, in a woman, a, a, a wise woman, a godly woman, then that will be extended not only to her family, but she will be aware of the needs of others. She will be aware of and care about them. She has to opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. Uh, and both of those passages are, are kind of a little picture about hands, that her hands are never idle. They're always doing something productive, something meaningful, something helpful. And then in verse 21, when it snows, she has no fear for the household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. What is that really about? That's about planning. That's about a mom who thinks ahead in July that December is coming, January is coming, and she's just aware of what's coming. This is just a part of being wise that is exemplified in this, in this woman. Then in verses 20 through 22 through 24, this is funny, okay? So this is a little theological interesting thing. You may not find it so. Um, but there is a sense in which this whole thing is a personification of wisdom, and, and there's a whole kind of understanding that goes along with that. But it's also about a woman. How do I know that? Because of this next verse. I know that it's actually about a woman. Here's what, here's what it says. She makes covering for her bed and she is clothed in fine linen and purple. It's about fashion and decorating. <laughs> now we can talk about gender roles and all that stuff if you want. It's about a woman. You can argue all you want. It's, it's there. It's just there. I think the point is that it doesn't make the sexes unequal, uh, unequal if they're different. And it's not hard and fast rules. Guys, if you want to wear purple clothes, I, I guess it's okay, I don't know. But the reality is here, it's just, it's a full expression of who she is. It's a full expression of her interests. Someone, one of the women on our staff said, but I don't like decorating, I don't like to dress up. Okay, I, 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 what about your home? Do you like your home to be a warm, inviting place? Well, yeah, of course. Do you try to have mealtime that's refreshing and enjoying? For yeah, well, of course. Okay, that's a beautiful thing, right? It's not trying to prescribe what a woman should be. It's the freedom to be all that God created her to be. And in this relationship and in this wisdom, she is doing that. Um, it goes on and says that... Um, 
She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. I just got to tell you, if women and people who are living according to biblical wisdom are rare, people giving wise advice are really rare. We have millions of people giving advice on millions of subjects. I always loved a 23-year-old who's telling you how to lose weight. If you're 23, you want to lose weight, walk to the car and back. Come on. But it's just as absurd. Other people are giving wisdom. When you are a person, a woman of wisdom, a person of wisdom, and you're seeking God's wisdom, you actually have something to say. And it's not your opinion. It is wisdom. And so it says about a person who walks in biblical wisdom, they actually have helpful things to share when given the opportunity. She speaks with wisdom. She watches over the affair of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. I will not say who made this illustration. It's just a contrast. It came from one of the women on our staff. The does not eat the bread of idleness just made them think of desperate housewives, I'm just saying. <laughs> 28 and 29. Her children, this is, this is it. This is the thing. This is what we're trying to do for you today, ladies. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. So how powerful is that? They rise up and they call her blessed. See, here's the thing. So I, I, I've been a public speaker for a really long time. And every once in a while, I'll hit a triple. It's rare. Every few years, uh, I'll really do good. And you know what's funny is, you know how I know I did good? It's not you, because you're nice. You always tell me I do good. You never tell me I do bad. A couple of you do, and I'm tired of it. But um, <laughs> it's when those closest to me come and say, you know, that really made a lot of sense. When those closest to you praise you because they know you best. They know you at your best. They know you at your worst. They know you in between. When the ones closest to you, your children, the ones you've had to guide and direct and correct, when they rise up and call you blessed, then you know something has happened. And by the way, I don't think it's just a gift. I think it should be expected. If you're a woman of God and you are following God's plan as best you can, your children will and should, and you should expect them to rise up and call you blessed. And your husband also. And, and, and it goes on and says this. He says, not only are you incredible, hon. He says this, and this part does seem absolutely to be written by a husband. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Honey, you are the best. If you're here today and you got a, a man in your life, you need to hear those words from him. You need to hear those words. That's how much he believes in you. That's how much he cares for you. That's what we want you to hear today. And then finally, she's rewarded for her wisdom, for choosing biblical wisdom over conventional wisdom in the society she lived in. It says this, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. Can you hear a mom saying that to her single son? Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Today, we honor you women. You're saying, well, I'm not all that. Well, neither was anybody else but it doesn't mean you're not a woman of faith, a woman who knows the Lord, a woman who's growing in her place in the Lord. 
And we honor you for that. And we thank you for being that. We thank you for your moral courage, for your consistency, for your compassion, for your care, for all that you contribute to our lives. We want to see you become all God wants you to be. We want to support you and praise you in that. So, happy Mother's Day. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for all of the women of our congregation. We thank you that you have called us to this incredible partnership with you and with each other in marriage. For all of us who are married, Lord God, we thank you for our spouses. We thank you for the women who give so tirelessly in all areas of life, but especially motherhood. We thank you for the incredible compassion the incredible hours they put in, incredible gifts they bring, the accomplishments they achieve, many of which will never even be recognized. But you see them, and we want to see them and acknowledge them. So today, thank you for the women in this congregation. Thank you for the mothers in this congregation. Thank you for the wisdom that they are living out, sharing with their children, so the next generation will know how to live lives that are biblically consistent, that are full of wisdom, and that are world-changing We pray a prayer of blessing on each of them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys for being here. We have flowers to the ladies and picture opportunities. God bless. We hope you enjoyed this message. And remember, we have live services on Saturday evenings and Sunday mornings in our West Auditorium. Or you can watch live online at scgchurch.org or on our YouTube and Facebook.